0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Haj Asad and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben.
1: Greetings, human listeners.
0: Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're hearing our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I know it's difficult. Everyone, you know, talks about wanting to do new things, but trying out a new podcast that's a whole new ball game right we're, ben?
1: we're drinking from a fire hose of choice these days that's
0: so right there's a whole lot of podcasts um i will reiterate ben and i um are a pair of automotive journalists but more importantly we are i would i would describe our relationship as not enemies certainly cordial um, <laughs> yeah we're not enemies we are not rivals but i think we are pretty good friends like if we had met each other in school i think we'd be like best buds we'd have like matching armbands, and we'd... Armbands. We'd, <laughs> uh, yeah, armbands. We'd have lockers next to each other, or maybe we'd share a locker. You know what I'm saying? Like, that that bromance, I guess, is the best way I'm describing it.
1: But unfortunately, I was not allowed to go to school, and Sammy went to a very elite school, so there's a huge educational distance between us.
0: Yes, absolutely. But where we come together, as always, is when it comes to... um irreverent pop culture comments, and automobiles, of course,
1: right? Sure. Uh, And on that note, Sammy, uh, why don't you tell people where your work can be found as an automotive journalist?
0: Um, You can usually find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and there was another one I keep forgetting about. I'm sure this is not good for my... Um, own PR stunt we'll add it in post post. (laughs) electric autonomy (laughs) Canada I'll I'll throw that one in Um, but I am on a bit of a paternity leave so I'm not doing as much work as usual because I'm I'm journeying into the the unknown as a parent which is crazy
1: yeah Sammy is basically so you've seen stranger things right Sammy is basically in the upside down with his baby every (laughs) night
0: we're facing we're fending off demigorgons there.
1: Trying to build a better world, to be honest. And you know, hats off to you, Sammy. I couldn't do it, but I'm glad you're I'm glad you are.
0: Ben, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your latest work?
1: You can find my work at Motor Trend, uh, occasionally at Car and Driver, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook.
0: Okay, Ben. We've we've given all the plugs, we've done the pre-show preamble, everyone knows it's time to talk about some cars. And you've got a car that we haven't talked about in quite some time. And one that I'm actually really int- interested in hearing your thoughts on because, you know me, I like, I like you know, there's there's a term in video gaming which is like min-maxing, which is like figuring out the best possible conver- con like uh, combination of stat points in a in an RPG game. Um, and I think that some cars min-max, which is to say that they do one thing exceptionally well, and the car that you're about to talk about, I think... It is one of those cars. So you're
1: talking about vehicles like the, the TRX that are really, really good at consuming fuel? Like, that's the <laughs> yeah, one thing they focus yeah. on, like, how quickly can we drain this fuel tank?
0: Exactly. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. For power, of course.
1: So the vehicle that I drove is kind of the opposite of the TRX, philosophically and design-wise. And that's the brand new 2023 Prius Prime, Sammy. That's the, yeah. the quote-unquote sexy Prius, question mark, which is... <laughs> What I think there uh, the reason I say that is because when this vehicle was announced and they first put the photos of it out there, people lost their minds. Like, am it I am it I not mean? correct? It, I mean, of course, we were going through a car sexiness drought at the yeah, time. It was a real dry spell. <laughs> it was
0: like it was like November for cars. Nobody knew what was going on, but really I,
1: th- <laughs> I think it was because Pre The previous Prius, the Prius has always been uninteresting to look at. I, I've never had a problem with it, but the generation just before this one kind of went the extra mile in being strange. Like it was overstyled a bit, especially from the rear where it had the really yep. like almost like fin-like taillights that kind of swooped out of the back. I kind of liked it, to be honest, because I'm into cars that are weird looking. I'm and into you're into ca-
0: aquatics, really. You love aquatic animals.
1: I do, we actually. love VIN, really. I do. Yes, those two things go together. I'm more of a bird guy. So if a car looks like a bird, that's my shit. Avian features.
0: <laughs> yeah. But I I need a. I need a beak. I was all about the, uh, the Acura beak.
1: <laughs> I feel like we should celebrate whenever a car goes from being totally boring to look at to kind of weird. Uh, I feel like visually interesting cars should be supported. So I didn't have a problem with the previous Prius. So then this right. new Prius comes along. And it looks nothing like any of the Priests that have come before. It's not dowdy looking. It's not extro- extroverted and strange. It's like kind of looks like an arrowhead, to be honest. Like a, a sleek little um, high performance hatchback look, almost like what the CRZ looked like mm-hmm. when it first came out from Honda in like the late two thousands.
0: Yep, I can but- see it. I think the I think the CRZ had a little bit of like that um, early. Tens kind of like uh, tech look, like it was very like squared in some angles. Yeah, and I don't think this Prius has super no. The, the Prius
1: is like more modernized, definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, but it looks good. I mean, it's a good looking vehicle. It also comes in a bunch of colors. There's Did like, you
0: take pictures of it? You were like, you took selfies with it. You're like, me and my sexy Prius out in the. Out I in tried town? to take
1: pictures of it. It's like a vampire; it just doesn't show up. It's super <laughs> yeah, weird. Yeah, no,
0: what's up with that?
1: I don't know. They, no one's talking about that. And I'm. Not, I'm but not every right Prius
0: know. comes with its own Instagram channel. That's what I've noticed. You know, <laughs> like thirst Instagram
1: thirst to those channels though just bots right like it's like bots subscribing to other bots i don't know weird smear. looking good prius wow yeah. yeah anytime you see a comment like that i mean instantly suspicious yeah but uh, what's not suspicious is that this is a legitimately good looking car and um that was not expected from the prius you open up the door you get inside it's pretty normal toyota like it's like an upgrade over remember i had the bz4x dywg <laughs> 89 yeah yeah. so there's there's hints of that inside the prius but the prius is kind of a step up i didn't have a high trim level i, I think i had a mid trim um the high trim comes with like solar panels on the roof and all sorts of doodads and whatnot the solar panels are meant to run accessories and stuff while you're in the car to kind of lessen the load on okay. the battery i don't know if it can charge directly from them but if it does i'm, I'm sure it's very slow
0: yeah
1: uh, in any case uh the prius now looks good it now looks like the kind of car you might actually want to buy if you were basing your decision entirely on aesthetics but i'm going to tell you that no one is doing that when they buy a prius right right, right. like why would why do people buy a prius uh, uh, fuel, fuel having, efficiency i'm sorry fuel efficiency that's, oh because
0: leonardo dicaprio showed up one time in, in one
1: so that's there are now two reasons
0: that's how that's why i do it yeah the red carpet uh, experience really
1: there are now two reasons to buy a prius did so, he show
0: up in a, is that true i can't remember it honestly make, sammy uh,
1: if you're asking me to verify something leo dicaprio did probably 25 years ago I can't do that for you. I oh yeah, he
0: definitely did. I'm I was so at your this.
1: intervention. I signed a document saying I would no longer enable this fandom, and I have to draw the line.
0: No, he did. Two thousand and six. He's driving around in his Prius.
1: Okay, I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on okay. to moving on to a non obsessive topic. I mean,
0: he won a an Oscar one time. I think.
1: You think it was the Prius that won him the Oscar? Do you think the Prius I mean, read him back his lines like "Hit me again, Prius"?
0: Yeah. It's like I'm it's the king of the Prius.
1: world. <laughs> it's gorgeous Prius, Prius castmate. Wow. Uncredited. Exactly. So there's two versions of the Prius. There's the normal Prius, and then there's the Prius Prime. Prius Prime is the one I had, and that's the one that's the plug-in hybrid. Uh, Toyota has been really slow to the EV game, but they've had plug-in versions of the hybrid for quite a while. And on this vehicle, they've really made... So all the effort they put into changing the sheet metal to make it look quote-unquote sexier, they've also put a ton of effort into the, the drivetrain. I mean, this is a car that now makes 220 horsepower, which is considerably more than the model it replaces i think like 100 horsepower more or something yeah, i think maybe crazy yeah. like that yeah um it's the same amount of horsepower it's actually sammy it's more horsepower than a honda civic si yeah
0: that's my <laughs> biggest <laughs> concern about that number right are you like, ready for that you know no one was ready for that and i think that spells uh, doom really for the toyota uh, i mean the honda civic
1: yeah i mean this is the this is the S, an si killer really it's like yeah. you might as well buy a type r if you don't want to get spanked by <laughs> the most frugal person you've ever met at a stoplight the six yeah. so we'll do 60 in 6.7 seconds which is it's not slow. Pretty but,
0: no, that's pretty good
1: yeah it's not slow it's decent it's like it's Miata, miata-esque i guess
0: <laughs> no a miata's got to be fast is than it that quicker
1: now. now maybe i'm thinking of the nc yeah um that because it's like a poorly geared
0: miata yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it's got two electric motors one for the drive wheels and one that's kind of designed to smooth out the cvt and the gas motor together It's it's a two liter engine two liter four cylinder yeah um that's a that's a lot of power. I don't know if it's a hundred horsepower or more, but it's it's a lot more. Uh, yeah, it's almost a hundred. I just I just double checked. Okay, it has also improved its driving range on electricity alone. So the battery, um, it will give you forty four miles of driving now. It used to be wow. that the nice. previous generation was twenty five. So that's a really big increase. And uh, that's
0: pretty good, actually.
1: It sounds though, it's very similar to. Isn't that
0: the same mileage you would get out of like? a RAV4 Prime, which I think uses a big, is a bigger car and uses a bigger battery. Is it, it like Toyota has this metric that it needs to be 44, 44, 44 miles? 44, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't People know. People need the 44. Maybe it's an exact like distance from home to work. Okay, so
1: what was the... Uh... Wasn't there some vehicle that had that like feature? It was like related to some executive decision. Oh, oh, remember we were talking about um the BMW that had that remember feature?
0: Yeah, that's what we were joking about. Yeah, I don't know so if that's true. You think that's true? Well,
1: so to refresh, people might not have heard that episode. Uh, some of the higher end BMWs have this really strange feature where it will remember the last. It was like 237 feet of driving or something. It's a very specific number, and it will Sorry, remember.
0: The Ram Four has 42 miles of range. Okay. Almost. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So, yeah,
1: so it will remember that last 237 feet or whatever it is of driving. Yeah. And if you hit a button inside the car, it will drive backwards based on its mapping out of where you've just been. And the only thing we could figure out was that some BMW CEO had a driveway that was like exactly 237 feet long. And he's like, that's what I want. Put the memory in that makes that happen. Because it's an odd feature. Like it's something yeah. people almost never use. I they just think.
0: kept driving into a dead end kind of like alley <laughs> where they needed to park every day and hated reversing out of it. So they just pressed a button for it.
1: Honestly, they, it probably would have been cheaper to just knock down that wall or like... <laughs> Whatever or get a better job at BMW that gets you a better spot. I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway, so um, you get that driving range. I can vouch for miles
0: of driving range. Yeah,
1: 44 miles. That's really good. That's very close to the top of what you would get from any plug in hybrid at any price. I think. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't think there are any that go much past 50, um, even for very, very large batteries. Uh, I experienced lots of um, battery only driving in the car. It worked quite well. But the really, really impressive thing to me about this car's efficiency was how well it did just as a normal hybrid. So it's advertised at 50 miles per gallon city and 47 miles per gallon highway. I used this car a lot when I was moving to my country place and the drive back and forth together is about 110 miles. Like that's the round trip. So I did three or four of those drives and um, I have to say, over 300 350 miles of driving sammy what do you think i got for combined mileage
0: combined mileage yeah
1: combined mileage because i was doing some city beforehand before the move started
0: 100 100 miles per gallon equivalent 100 mi- no not mbge just regular oh, miles combined. per gallon. yeah yeah then like you've got to be talking like 60
1: very close i got 57 miles yeah. per gallon that's well above the highway rating on this oh, car.
0: Yeah. And that's that's the important thing to mention is that like usually these these hybrids are not great on high on highway motoring because yeah. they're they're I don't know they're just not optimized for cruising I guess. But to get that far is really good. Sorry for ru- bursting the bubble there, but I think that's pretty impressive. And, and if you had that every single day, that'd be That'd be killer. And a lot on, of the driving on your budget.
1: A lot of the driving was done with the vehicle loaded down. I used the Prius to move my vinyl collection. Oh wow. Um, and that's pretty heavy. Like I want to Hundreds say, of
0: pounds of Yeah, the of boxes record. are
1: very heavy. So I wanna say it was roughly the equivalent of having like a full car of of, mm-hmm. of humans. Maybe more,
0: man, and a cargo.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, So to turn in that kind of mileage while the vehicle was actually being used. And the area, once you turn off the highway, half of the journey is straight highway. And the other half is secondary roads, two-lane highway. That's somewhat hilly because it's going into a mountainous area.
0: This is where the old Prius used to struggle, right? Like the hills, it was kind of like uh, you really had to have patience.
1: And that brings me to the next point. It's good that you brought that up because, you know, nearly 100 more horsepower in the car. There was some hyperbole about how oh man, not only does it look great, but it's a bit of a handler too, and it's it's a little bit sporty to drive. It's not. <laughs> it's perfectly fine, and you know I had power when I needed it, and everything felt good. But if you floor it, there's not a lot going on. Like it's, it's a Prius.
0: It's, it'll do what Prius pre Pri I do and exactly. And I think that's optimized the fuel the fuel consumption. This is not a
1: complaint because no. and even I put it in sport mode too, which it has. Uh, for Why? Okay, reasons, I guess, <laughs> and not a big difference. I guess more throttle response. It's does it have of an of... eco
0: mode? Hold on. Yeah, it you has. Have to Put you have to put the the environmentally friendly vehicle in eco mode.
1: It does have somewhat of an eco mode, and uh... I believe that. Well, when you look at most hybrids and EVs that have eco modes, <clears> it <throat> usually hits the HVAC pretty hard. Like it's right. Actually, I love that. Yeah. So that you don't use the air conditioning compressor as much so you're not spinning as many fans um, that can add. I mean, turning off the heating and cooling on an EV can add as much as like 10, 15 miles to your total distance traveled. Uh, so in emergency situations, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like when your car is overheating like a gas car and you hit the fan and put it on full blast just to like reduce the radiator temperatures. Yep. In like an EV, it's the opposite. Like if you're about <laughs> yeah. to run out of power you just straight up turn everything off and and you you can usually cruise like another 10 miles and get to a charger. Yeah. But I don't want to complain about how the Prius drove because it was perfectly fine. It's exactly what I would expect from a vehicle in its class. Uh it's better power-wise than it was before, but it probably should have been better anyway, you know, like this is this is that situation where we had a car that was underpowered and now it's normal and people are like, "Wow, that's exciting."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I used to be a sucker for the Prius C, again, like I told you, because I love seeing a car that could get, like, 50 miles per gallon, com- like, combined all the time. And we're just, like I said, we're just maximizing our whole experience with, the, with each drop of fuel. I love that. But to now also add in the fact that the car is good-looking and somewhat more, you know, drivable, it adds, because that Prius C is dangerous on the highway, man. Like, it, it couldn't hit 100 kilometers an hour if it tried.
1: So the other thing to point out with all of this glow up that's happened with the Prius is that it's lost its kind of value oriented trims for the at least for the Prime you you can't get a limited you can't get an XLE you can't get an LE it's all S's across the board okay kind of XSE 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 Premium you know like they're trying to push the sportiness of the car yeah um, it starts at like including destination it's like thirty three five and okay. it tops out great
0: about- value.
1: No, but it tops out at just over 40. And the one I had was right in the middle. Like, I want to say 36, 37. Uh, it's not a really a luxury car. It's, it's fine. Um, the interior, as I mentioned before, is pretty standard Toyota. There's not a ton of features that you're going to want to have. I mean, if you want that crazy roof I was talking about, I think you have to get the premium, XSE premium. Um, and it gets a... Uh, has the biggest touchscreen and heated steering wheel and all that stuff adaptive cruise control my model had that too um on so on my xsc mid mid range one okay so i'm not sure if you really should pay the extra for the premium model it really depends on why you're buying this like is this going to be a commuter car that you're just you're buying it because you want to get maximize your um Plug time, like maximize that forty-four miles of plug-in driving, and then still get good mileage if you leave the city. Maybe aim for a base model there. That's uh, not really a compelling reason to upgrade, I don't think.
0: I understand, um, and I do think that there is it's a, it's a it's an upgrade from the old model. If that one left you kind of feeling a little cold, maybe this is the one that that will push you over the edge to buy one, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a completely different proposition. It's almost. It's almost like they could have named it something else hmm. and started something new. I know the Pri- for a while they were trying to make the Prius brand, right? Like they had the Prius yes. V, the Prius C, now the Prius Prime. I don't know how well that's worked for Toyota. I kind of feel like the rest of the world shifted its attention towards um, EVs and hybrids are just kind of something that are expected now. And like every other
0: automaker, well, maybe not every other automaker, but especially the Koreans um, and I think even the Germans have like this electric car branding, like The ID four and the ID three and the ID Buzz, and then you have Ionic, and then the EV thing, the EV five, EV six, branding, and so like the Prius one went under underutilized, I think. Yeah, they missed their chance.
1: And I feel like Toyota was also probably a little bit gun shy after what happened with Scion. (laughs) where they they created like this sub-brand that no one was really interested in. And uh, over time, they just weren't able to tap into the audience or the market that they thought existed for that. And then they had to kind of awkwardly fold it back into the Toyota mainline. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe someone in corporate was like, do we really want to take the Prius and take that risk with it when we already kind of have an unknown quantity in terms of what we're selling?
0: Right. Um can we talk a really quick moment about um plug-in hybrid compact cars? Um I know you said that nowadays getting a plug-in hybrid to to crest 40 miles per uh, m- miles on a charge is a bit of an achievement, but it's worth pointing out that the second gen Chevy Volt used to get about 50 miles on a on a on a, on a, t- on a full battery.
1: Yes, but the Chevy Volt was not sold as a plug-in hybrid. It was sold as an EV with yeah. a gas engine backup, right? right like that was how like at, at but that's how the CHEVs actually work
0: now right like regardless
1: of whether that's true or not
0: yeah so i always thought that was interesting and that's gone right like we don't have volts anymore and you know what made me think of the volt recently is i saw an elr you know the cadillac elr yes
1: which had the same drivetrain but less electric range
0: yeah i saw one on my street the other day and i went
1: say what
0: like somebody has one
1: that ELR was, I think, at the time, the best Cadillac interior I had I had experienced. Like it was quite nice inside i would drive an, an elr no no shame in it like i think it's it looks 40
0: miles of range on the on the gas on the electric motor so it looks
1: pretty good too um it's not very practical with the, no. the two-door body shape it doesn't i don't think it has the same amount of hatch room as the volt did and it's super expensive because <laughs> nobody bought them nobody bought one they were I'm like check, 75 the
0: residuals, the residuals are are out of whack aren't they
1: so i think they were 75 grand yeah. when he first came out which is insane compared to other vehicles at that price point um
0: yeah. but I've got a 10 year old one for 17,000 Canadian how about I that I mean
1: that's that's quite a bit of money <laughs> It's got
0: 278,000 kilometers on it Yeah
1: right? so there's very few of them on the used market uh yeah. as a result I'm trying to look at actual sales figures for the vehicle
0: What a car
1: <laughs> But listen what I'm trying
0: to say is that they I don't know like Toyota Almost lost the PHEV kind of crown, I think, especially specs wise to GM and then GM pulled the plug on their own their own PHEV situation. And and they went, kind
1: of moved over into the hybrid, into the full EV sense. Yeah. It took them a while to get there. And then when they did get there, they abandoned that technology <laughs> yeah. for like a different technology. <laughs>
0: don't know. there's something we're not i don't know there's something that i think we talk about every time as a joke which is like i don't think automakers can make evs make money and i'm sure uh, hybrids are the same thing with the exception of toyota who i think has has said it in a number of ways that their hybrids make the money they know how to sell a ton of hybrids
1: well um, toyota is a company too that um traditionally has never had to put cash on the hood in terms yeah. of incentives to move cars yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think that really helps them in that sense, I'm I'm trying to find ELR sales. Are you ready? Because you're gonna laugh. Okay, I'm I want s- I want to say that it came out in the first year was 2014. Yeah, um, there were a, there were six that were sold in 2013. I guess they were early sales. But in 2014, <laughs> yeah, in 2014 they sold 1,300, and then they nice. sold a thousand five hundred, yeah. and then and then remainder in 2017 they sold 17 examples.
0: Wow, that's a it that's a. Uh... That's a, um, what do you call it? A collector's item now. Yeah, that's
1: a unicorn. So you're looking at a car that sold about 3,000 copies. If you have an
0: ELR, message us. Tell us please
1: I would love to hear us. about it.
0: We want to hear what your ELR they, experience was like.
1: They sold fewer than 100 in Canada across <laughs> three model years.
0: <laughs> I saw one. I just saw a, a single one. That's crazy to me.
1: I'm sure it was really expensive for GM to do this. Like, I don't even want to think... This is, like, equivalent to when they made the Blackwing motor yeah, and then put it in, like, one car the CT- for, like... thick CT6V? CT6. Was it called the CT6V or was it called just, like, the CT6 Blackwing? Whatever it was, yeah. I think it was, like, one and a half model years. And then it went away. It was, like, a twin turbo, I want to say, five and a half liter V8. Yeah. And it was similar in displacement to what they put in their um American Lamaz cars. And then bam, it's gone. It's just gone yeah. forever. Yeah. And that was a fantastic car.
0: But <laughs> nobody mean, bought nobody knows because nobody, nobody bought knows. one.
1: Nobody knows. It would be like if BMW had made like the E60 V10 M5. Yeah. And then like only sold it for six months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't know. Do like, here's is- our
1: F1 engine, but no, you don't really get you
0: it. Do you have the sales tracker of uh, different automakers? I would say, would you say the BMW i3 sold more than the ELR then?
1: Ooh, that's a really good question because <laughs> I think that's very possible. <laughs> yeah. I think
0: 100%.
1: I, I think it had a, well, for one thing, it costs a lot less from what I remember.
0: The BMW or the Cadillac? Yeah, it wasn't no. $75,000. <laughs> the eight, The i8, sorry. The i8? Yeah. You said i3. Sorry, i8. Talk to me about okay. Coupes. We want to I'm talk looking to... at
1: the i3 and it definitely, I mean, in its first year alone, it sold double what the ELR <laughs> sold across its entire lifespan. 14?
0: <laughs> across the entire lifespan?
1: Yeah, across the entire yeah, okay. lifespan. Sorry,
0: I meant i8. We're talking coops now.
1: So looking at the i8 and it sold way more. Like That's crazy. Within the first, within the first year. Yeah. And it, it's, it went on sale roughly the same time, 2014. So by the end of 2015, it was within 100 units of the entire lifespan of the ELR. That's wild to me.
0: No, I get, they're
1: totally different. Of course, they're totally
0: different classes of vehicle, totally different types of buyers. But to somebody, it, they're both PHEV coupes.
1: It's sold, <laughs> it looks like it sold seven or 8,000 examples. Wow. Until 2020. So Compared that's
0: to like three, three and a half?
1: half? Yeah, compared to three. And it was a car that was very expensive. (laughs) And this doesn't include European sales. If you look at European sales, it's even uh, it's even more robust. Like once you get out of the first year where it's sold better in America, Mm -hmm. it did quite well in Europe. I don't think the ELR was sold in other markets. Uh,
0: That's even worse. That's off.
1: (laughs) What man? GM. (laughs) Okay, so apparently the ELR was sold. I have sales results for Korea. Wow. (laughs) And the the result is zero sales. (laughs) Okay, so moving on from this f- flashback throwback discussion of a of a plug-in hybrid that almost no one has seen or even been inside of um, I, Sammy, you are driving something that's a little more common, but I don't mean common in the sense that it's bad. I just mean common in the sense that it actually exists and you can go buy it right now.
0: right. I drove a minivan, a product that people uh, actively avoid buying for some reason, um even though they are more practical, um available, affordable, efficient and I think better than some of the competing three-row vehicles that are out there which are constantly out of stock, very expensive, poor on gas Agreed. and and just cumbersome sometimes. I drove the Kia Carnival, which is uh, Kia's replacement for the old, I think it was called the Sedona, was their old minivan.
1: Both of these are my favorite minivans. I just want to put that out there right now. We've talked the Sedona about the
0: Sedona, and the, and, the the Sedona
1: and, and the Carnival. We've talked about it in the past. These vans, they come with ottomans. They have that crazy, like, Barca lounger, recliner in the second yeah. row. Uh, great vans. Really like them.
0: So, I mean, I drove a, a very well-equipped version of the car, which comes, which is about 20, I mean, sorry, which is about um, $46,000. And, um, you know, as as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, I am now a family man. I've got like a stroller and a child and like we've I've also got some in-laws visiting from overseas. So I thought this would be a great vehicle to um, impress them with to take. Yeah, actually, first of all, it did impress them. People were really impressed with the amount of technology in the car and the amount of space in the vehicle. And not only that, but how quiet it was and uh, and automated everything was in terms of like the lift gate, the power doors. Um, the wind the the just the cameras and everything like that but um upon using it with a full load of people i started really falling out of love with it because as you mentioned this vehicle has a second row which is uh catered to be which is like marketed to be kind of like a lounge it has power second row seats, which is to say that they recline, they have an ottoman, like you said, or, or leg support. That's all um, really sweet stuff. They have heated, heated and vented seats in that second row. But as a result, getting into the third row is very, very difficult. Like, absolutely.
1: Is it because the seats are bulky or because they can't get out of the way?
0: Both. Honestly, both. It just was, it was a pain. I could not imagine. They're, they're supposed to slide... Um, inwards towards the center of the vehicle so that you can you can slide them further back um, past the wheel wells i guess um, and therefore make that kind of recliner recliner space but no amount of options i could pick of these of this um, seat setup allowed people to easily squeeze through the back into the into the third row which made it really uncomfortable which is really a shame because in in my opinion nothing's more luxurious than just being able to throw stuff into a car without having to worry about what orientation they are, if they're upright, downright, left, right. If I can just put stuff in a car without thinking about it, I'm, I'm a happy dude. Like, that's the way it works for me. So you're that's, saying
1: because these seats are so complicated and luxurious, they don't fold flat in the floor, they're yeah. hard to take out, period. Mm-hmm. Like, Can they really can they be removed? Or
0: I don't think they can be removed. Not these ones. I don't. Is there think a center so. console
1: that can be removed?
0: No, there's no center console. They both had so, armrests.
1: So can you walk between the center console to get to the back? Is that a better way to doing it? It's too tight
0: because there's armrest between the two cars, between the two seats. So this aspect of the vehicle in terms of using it like a three-row vehicle was shot, like absolutely gone. Um, And you know what? If you want to use it as a two-row vehicle, a very spacious and easy-to-use two-row vehicle, that will work. That will really work. Um, or four-seater, in fact. But, if you really had intentions on on using the third row, this is not my pick for you, um, which is a shame because everything else is there. It's affordable, it's decent on gas, it's uh, loaded with technology um, and and it has all those features that you're looking for. but
1: so i just I just checked and uh, those VIP seats can't come out at all, period, yeah. right. Um, but you can get the vehicle without them. So that might be a better choice for people if they do have a third row need, like if they want to put people in the, in the backpack, uh, maybe forego the VIP seating, which I think is available in the SX Prestige trim, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the most expensive version of the van. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's, it's about $47,000. So like the base LX version is uh, thirty four grand which yeah. is pretty pretty affordable.
0: Really, honestly. And like I said, if you would rather get... And, and yeah, that base model won't have that same issue that you're having in the second row. It should be easier to access the third row. Um, and if you're looking for an alternative to a three-row crossover, this is it, man. And trust and more, me, it's significantly better.
1: And much more cargo space too, because yeah. being able to remove those van, those seats versus the Barca loungers will really free up a lot of space.
0: 145 <laughs> cubic feet of storage room maximum.
1: Maximum. And that's with the seats out. And then
0: and then even with all the seats up, 40. 40 is pretty usable, man.
1: Yeah, that's like the hatchback in a Golf, basically. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Like the hatchback with the seats folded in a Golf. Exactly. (laughs) So even though, leaving aside the seats, all versus the Carnival have the same motor, right?
0: Yeah, Uh, Um, 3.6, I think. (laughs)
1: 3.5.
0: 3.5. 3.5 with 290 horsepower, 262 pound-feet of torque. It worked. It's got, um, I've got really no, no, qualms about the way this car drove it was okay totally um adequate it felt as good if not um more responsive to drive than some of the crossovers i've driven that are in this kind of um performance package um it didn't have all-wheel drive i think is maybe one of the bigger concerns that buyers will have about this kind of thing yeah there's
1: only one van that offers that right uh
0: two i think i know um, the
1: sienna can can have it does and i think C- you, can,
0: you can get the pacifica with all-wheel drive
1: Oh, for the non-hybrid. The, the non-hybrid, That's the
0: non-hybrid. yeah. That's that, that that would be the perfect kind of um, alternative. If you needed all-wheel drive, I think you would get the Pacifica.
1: Um,. The uh other thing about this van that I think is a little different from some of the other vans and you said 140 cubic cubic feet of space I want to point out that the Sienna we just talked about only has 100 cubic feet inside. How does it's that a, happen? I don't know. It's a 40 cubic foot difference. We were talking you and I were talking about it last week and we think it's a combination of the all-wheel drive system plus the fact that it's a standard hybrid. Yeah. But as we're about to see a little later in the podcast there are hybrids out there that really trounces the Sienna in terms of cargo space. So yeah. I don't understand why Toyota made that decision. It's really strange to me. And it's not um, like
0: physically the cars are not comparable, right? Like it's not like they Sienna has a significantly smaller wheelbase or something else.
1: No, it's it's <laughs> it's really quite odd. Um the, the, the considering too that the, the Odyssey is is way bigger in, uh, inside as mm-hmm. well. You know, like Toyota's really kind of made a decision to cut into the cargo space available and the cargo space is the big reason why you would buy one of these vehicles instead of an suv because 140 cubic feet that's like a suburban you know (laughs) which is a much bigger vehicle um and and behind the third row of the of the sienna it's only 33 cubic feet so like you're you're chopping nearly 10 percent versus what you have in your um your carnival yeah so it's just odd it's just an odd situation
0: it's tough because of all of the minivans. I think the Sienna is easier to recommend because of the standard hybrid and the typical, you know, Toyota reliability. Um, but when you consider factors like that, especially given that it's less practical or it has less um, storage space, and I think um, Toyotas can sometimes feel a little flimsy in terms of infotainment system and features, and you're paying just as much as everything else, then it it makes sense why somebody would start moving towards uh, an alternative like the carnival or maybe the Pacifica.
1: And the carnival too has kind of an unusual look. Um, Yeah. A little bit of an
0: SUV ish look. It has this um, crazy looking C pillar.
1: Yeah. I like it. It's like big, bold in your face. Exactly what you want from a minivan. I mean, if you remove, I I don't know if they're
0: trying to evoke the idea that it's like, it's like an avalanche or something. Like if you look at the way the, the, the shoulder line, And that weird thing going at the C line, like as if they were supposed to chop off that extra bit from the between the C and the D pillar.
1: It's almost like uh, like what you used to have on the Audi R eight when it first came out, and you had yeah, the blade. Yeah, the blade. It's it's like a it's the van blade, I guess.
0: (laughs) The van blade. I don't know what to call it. I love it. Um, I don't know. There's so much to to say about minivans, but I think unless you've like, people are so against minivans. They just do not want a minivan. The minivan idea is is disgusting to them. And I think the moment you spend... Like, I think a test drive is not enough. I think you need to spend a day with one. And, um, and
1: preferably a day where you're actually doing stuff you would not normally be able to do in another vehicle. Yeah. Like, so, is it too soon to segue into my recent minivan No, experience? it's not too soon.
0: Of course not. I mean, you had a minivan as well, but for... Cargo purposes rather than, than passenger uh, passengers. Purposes. Yeah.
1: So I I was mentioning that we'd be talking about hybrid minivans. So I had the only other hybrid minivan on the market, and that is the Chrysler Pacifica. But it, it has an extra wrinkle versus a Toyota. Not only, and this is what's weird, because not only is the Chrysler way bigger inside, 140 cubic feet versus 100, but it has a plug-in system, which means it has a giant 60, well, not giant, but very large 16 kilowatt-hour battery. And even with that, it still has 40 more cubic feet of space inside. Wow. And um, there's a couple couple of things you lose when you go to the plug-in versus the gas-only version. I mean, you mentioned all-wheel drive. You can't get that with the plug-in. You also can't get stow-and-go. So hmm. um, most Chrysler vans, they come with second row seats, that fold flat into the floor. It's an amazing invention. I don't know why every company doesn't do this. I
0: know. I know. <laughs> it seems now, like the,
1: the most basic concept. The Carnival the has world.
0: like stow and go third row.
1: Yeah. So does the plug-in version of the Pacifica. And when you're okay. not, when you have those seats out, there's a giant storage bin that you can use mm-hmm. to put your gear in. It works really well. But the second row, you have to physically remove them on the plug-in. It doesn't, oh. the battery interferes with the stow and go. So if you're okay with that. Um, you should go for the, for the plugin. But I did, I had the seats out because this was during the second week of moving because moving is a never ending Sisyphean process that I'm only now recovering from. (laughs) The second week of moving, we, I had this van to drive and, uh, It was phenomenal, as all vans are, at swallowing as much weirdly shaped cargo that we wanted to stuff in there. I mean, stacking boxes, um, banners. Uh, I had, like, at one point, I had two grills for a 1970s Chevrolet truck, plus a new full fascia grill for my Jeep in in the van, on top of a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, All of that fit, no problem. But what was most impressive to me, I mean, one of the most impressive aspects of it, aside from the general van goodness we were just talking about. And Sammy, mm-hmm. uh, accessing the third row is not nearly as bad in this vehicle. It does have a tilt forward feature, and it has a little button that powers the front seats forward to help you tilt forward the second row right. to get it out of the way. And you yep. can push that while you're seated. So that's pretty nice. Nice. Um, anyway, I had to physically remove those seats. Uh, but what what was really impressive, one, was the the... the the fuel fuel mileage from this vehicle so the since it's a plug-in it doesn't match the Prius in terms of battery only you get 32 miles at BV range this is a vehicle that weighs like 5,000 pounds right Mm -hmm. so that kind of makes sense but I got 35 miles per gallon doing the same trajectory that I was doing with the uh, Prius except that this time the van was filled with way 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 more stuff so it was extremely heavy almost every time like Uh, Fully 50% of the Voyages, it was loaded to the brim. Hundreds and hundreds of pounds of stuff in the back. I'm still getting 35 miles per gallon. Wow. Okay. Wow. It gets crazier, Sammy. What are you talking about? So the PHEV, it it breaks down the amount of driving that you do on battery alone versus gas, which is pretty standard for a plug-in hybrid or any hybrid, really. Um, I, I put 500 miles on the vehicle in about a week. Of that, 40% of that was done on electricity alone.
0: Holy moly. So, okay. So what are you talking about? Like, um, how many hundreds of miles is that?
1: Ooh, 40% of 500. Let's do some quick math here. I'm pulling up. 200, my, let's say. I'm pulling up my math 220. No, we got we to know for sure. We got to <laughs> know for sure. Okay. So clickety-click. 200, you're right. 200, yeah. So that means I drove 200 miles on battery alone. If Did you charge say, it, ten times? This is what I'm getting at. I didn't because <laughs> when I was in the city loading up the van, I couldn't plug in. I was parked in front of the house. Okay. When I was at home uh, in the country, after I had brought it back, I was able to plug in. So no more than half of my trips were done with a full battery. Which and and let's say I made I probably made five or six trips. So that would be 150 miles of battery. Like best case scenario, right? And mm-hmm. and you know that you're not going to get 150 miles of necessarily pure electric range just because it says you have that on the dash. Because some of that's going to be mi- some of that battery power will be mixed in with the gas engine because mm-hmm. of the hills and stuff that you encounter. So let's say I did 120 miles based on my plugins. That leaves like 50 to 80 miles of driving that was completely uh, res- like recuperated. Uh, it was, yeah, it was recuperate. It was made available by the regenerative brakes, either uh, being aggressive with coasting or being aggressive with breaking down a hill, whatever you want to call it. The system was super great at just finding every little last electron that it could. I was shocked. I couldn't believe that, that much driving was done on electric when I had so few opportunities to plug in.
0: I agree. I When you told me this, I didn't believe you. Um, I asked you to redo your math. You did. It, you, we, I checked it. I mean, I, I told got, you I did. I got some more people to check it. This is impressive. It made me say something a little bit controversial, which is Chrysler has other plug-in hybrids in it, or Stellantis has other plug-in hybrids in its portfolio, which are not nearly this impressive, not nearly this seamless, not nearly this efficient. Uh, I'm talking about the 4xE PHEVs from Jeep. Yeah. Um, And obviously, there must be something to go on with the powertrain. Those ones use a turbocharged four-cylinder rather than a V6. Like yeah, this the is the Pacifica same. It's,
1: it's the same V six you'd find in the regular Pacifica, but it's it's tuned a little differently. It has two electric motors, and it's about two hundred and sixty horsepower, which I think is uh, twenty horsepower or forty horsepower below the gas model. I can't but all for the exactly. better.
0: This is the more impressive package. Like, yeah, if you could give me that mileage in a Wrangler, or even close to that mileage in a Wrangler or a Grand Cherokee. We'd be singing. But, you know, you and I have both driven the 4xe Wrangler. We've complained about clunkiness when transitioning between gas and um, electric powertrains. Yes. Um,
1: And I also had that problem with the Grand Cherokee 4xe, which uses the same type of drivetrain. It's important to point out. With the
0: Pacifica, did you have this issue?
1: No, the no. Pacifica was extremely smooth. Occasionally, what? I got a small vibration in the steering wheel at highway speeds that kind of made me think something was going on with the front wheels, mm-hmm. but it was not very often. So the thing about the Pacifica is they're trying to sell it as a luxury car and mm-hmm. you can get the top end model has like crazy Napa leather interior and has throw pillow- pillows. Throw pillows for the second row. I mean, stuff that I don't know that you necessarily need, but it certainly looks good. Uh, And even in the mid-tier trim that I had, it was extremely comfortable. The drive experience... And keep in mind that every time I'm behind the wheel of this van, I've done a full day of moving boxes. Like
0: Yeah, you're I, like tired. You're like... Yeah, it sucks. It,
1: it's one end of the, of the move or the other end of the move and you're loading and unloading at each end. And I never felt fatigued by the vehicle. And a couple of times we were caught in traffic and um, everything, it, it just didn't stress me out. I wasn't... The same way that I had all those issues with the Grand Cherokee that had the 4xe drivetrain um, and it was just clunky and weird, none of that is in the Pacifica. So kudos for that. The only weirdness I did have was the adaptive cruise was not great at picking up cars that were pulling in front of me in slow traffic. So if someone was changing lanes, it would sometimes accelerate straight towards their bumper. And I had to intervene a couple of times because I did not trust that it was going to stop in time.
0: That's awful. Okay. You need confidence with these systems. I mean, that's one of my biggest issues sometimes is you have no idea whether or not the car like recognizes an obstacle in front of it and starts acting like there's nothing there.
1: And uh, the other thing is, like most plugins, you you don't get level two charging with this vehicle. Sorry, you don't get fast charging with this vehicle. I don't have my level two charger installed yet at at my new place. That's happening next week. So I was on like a 110 outlet with an extension cord. It took about 10 hours to charge from empty to full, which I guess isn't bad if you're doing it overnight. Uh, But it's it's still a a long time if you don't have a charger. So you're probably doing that at work. You're probably doing that at home at the end of the day. Um, But Sammy... If you want an electric minivan, this is pretty much it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I think and I don't know when we're going to get more. I mean, the ID Buzz is supposed
1: the-, the ID Buzz is supposedly on the way if you want a pure yeah. EV, but I can't think of anything else.
0: I'm really curious how that's going to work out, whether or not there's going to be limitations, production limitations or pricing you know, sort of limiting people out, yeah. or whether or not people just are not sold on minivans, even if they have the nostalgia to it.
1: Yeah, because I mean, talking about nostalgia, that buzz looks like supposed to look like the old school Volkswagen van. So I mean, to a certain demographic, that's going to be really appealing. And I think they've pulled off the look really well. Um, it's just going to depend on, as you said, does that you know the, the, this this Pacifica has a whole lot going for it is that enough to convince people to spend sixty one thousand dollars on a minivan and I <laughs> feel like the ID buzz is the same question like is that res- retro nostalgia enough to make people overcome their prejudice against this class of vehicle
0: yeah exactly. Um, before we end this week's episode, I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our listeners who uh, messaged me on Instagram and said um, that they really enjoyed our take on the XC40 last uh, last episode because they're a new owner of a V60 Recharge Polestar. And they said that they had very many similar electrical gremlins um, that, if you remember, I had some weird things going on with the infotainment system, not yeah. really showing me the maps when I really needed it to, and then suddenly showing me it later on. Um, but he also pointed out that um, or they also pointed out that one of the biggest issues with the vehicle is that whenever it's required to do a software update, you have to lock yourself out of the car for 90 minutes Wait, while the update is running. And if you leave your minutes. wallet or your or your badge for work inside, then you're, you're out of luck. Really. Or if you have an
1: emergency and you need to, you know, someone has a heart attack or you need to get to the hospital, you can't. Your car is a paperweight, I
0: guess. Now, while I was testing the XC40, it ca- every time I turned it on, it had a, an update notification. And one of the things it told me was like, no, this t- this might take up to 90 minutes. And so as a result, I'm like, well, I'm not getting in the car recreationally to just like, <laughs> you know, chill out in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I yeah. have stuff to do and I don't know if they'll take 90 minutes or if I can use the car while it's updating. So I always ignored that notification. Obviously, this this um, listener You know, went through the update process and found it to be, um, you know, debilitating to the to the car experience until it was finished.
1: It is an unreasonable amount of time. But what's the alternative for Volvo? Like, do they want to split it up into many smaller updates, or do they want to make people go to the dealership, which is arguably more inconvenient? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there's perks that come with that, or they could incorporate perks. I don't know. It seems like a strange kind of process. Like, why is it taking so long?
0: I don't know. And this is remember this is my number one complaint with modern Volvo's infotainment system which is built on Android Automotive OS. Um now you have an Android Automotive, you have an Android mobile device. I have an Android mobile device. Updating these things is not it's not the slowest thing to do in the world, no, but it's, it's not does, 90 minutes.
1: It's not 90 minutes. I kind of feel like Volvo has been the test case for this operating system because they adopted it I think before anyone else did and they've kept yeah uh a a relatively pure looking version of it where it doesn't have a lot of tiers or layers on top of it Mm -hmm. so we might just be seeing training wheels and where volvo is i mean they're at the mercy of their their software partner there's not much they can do uh in terms of fixing this problem i don't think except get google to fix the problem Mm -hmm. and i i just don't know what their strategy is there so it is that is a long time
0: now, if you want to get in touch with us like this listener did or if you have an ELR and you want to talk about how you oh, have man. one of the rarest Cadillacs on the planet, um, I really recommend you reach out to us either um, – you know, check out the website, first of all, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there. When you fill it out, um, whatever you send us, it lands in our inbox. We share it with each other. We talk about it. We have a good laugh or we, we seriously consider whatever you're discussing um or if you just have good vibes to send our way that's cool too um additionally you can reach out to us on social media i'm on i think it's called x this week or this month x.com uh you can find me at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing or you can find ben on instagram which as far as i know is not going to change its name anytime soon fingers Um, crossed ben is you can find him at hunting benjamin or you can just uh, reach out to us the old-fashioned way. I'll, I mean, assuming email is old-fashioned in any way or form, I don't think it's that old-fashioned. Come it feels on, polite, though. If you want <laughs> reach to reach out to us the polite way, it's Benjamin at
1: and uh, if you want to subscribe to us, I don't know if Sammy mentioned this because I zoned up just for a few nope. seconds there. I was thinking about the ELR. Uh, you can go to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a whole list of podcatchers there that will let you subscribe. You can find old episodes there too, but you can also just search for us on any podcast service that you use. We are everywhere. Uh, and if you leave us a like or a comment or a rating of some kind, that really helps us kind of raise the profile of the show and attract more listeners so that we can have even cooler conversations with the people who are uh, our audience and to be honest we have a really great audience and we love hearing from you it's a lot of fun and over the years it's been maybe my favorite part of the show um other than you know being able to interact with sammy every single week even though he our lives are taking us in dramatically different geographical directions well, we're still making it work yeah, we're still making it work. You know, it's a lot of effort, and we we put in the therapy time, and uh, we make sure that we communicate. And uh, I think that overall, it's um it's worth the effort. Absolutely. Uh, well, ne- thank ne- yeah. Sammy, next week, what are you going to be driving? Um,
0: I've got a plug-in hybrid. Lincoln, it's not the Aviator, it's the Corsair.
1: Okay, which I, I um, did not know that was a thing.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that's the funniest part about this is one, I don't think anyone knows what Lincoln's model names mean anymore. Corsair and two, is
1: straight up the most mysterious, <laughs> pe- exactly. like compact hybrid or is compact anything on the market. I'm
0: exactly, it's, and it's now available with a plug-in hybrid. So I'm going to tell you what that's like. Um and uh, that's going to be next week's episode.
1: I'm going to be bringing the Hurricane Pain, Sammy, next week with the 2024 or 2023. I can't remember exactly. The Grand Wagoneer L. And mm-hmm. it has the new straight six twin turbo engine that is replacing the V8 that was, that's still kind of available, I think, on certain models. But this is like, this is much more powerful and so far pretty impressive. So um, it's called the Hurricane. Oh, spoiling
0: Stop spoiling next week's episode.
1: Yeah. Forget your, Forget that I just said that and tune in next week to find out what I think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.